You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and I'm here with my buddy, Jason. Hey everybody. Dan, unfortunately, couldn't make it tonight, so we are going to run along without him, but he'll be back next week, hopefully. Um, so, to get started, Jason, how was your Geek Week? Pretty good, man. I got back into an old favorite with uh, Diablo 3 Season 20 is out right now, and I decided I was going to get myself a seasonal set. Uh, so, I set myself a goal from a quarantine time, sitting inside and... Uh, been having a lot of fun. We've been playing that together, um, reminding yeah. ourselves how easy it is and fun it is to jump into that game um, with friends in and out. It's just they did such a good job just making it easy to play with friends in that game. You know what's interesting about that game to me is that um, the the core of what I like about it um, was there from the beginning, but they had put in a bunch of extra stuff like, remember the auction house? Mm-hmm. And all that kind of stuff, and they really didn't have a total like end game sort of philosophy. It was just all right. Well, you've leveled up all these characters, and good job. Just keep playing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they decided over time. I think it was like three years into it when the next expansion came out um, with the Necromancer, right? That like they started putting in a lot of the end game stuff, and they started having the seasons that they do and I'll tell you what they they are a blast. They are so much fun. Was it the uh was it the necromancers that brought the season or was it the um the first expansion? It might have been the first expansion. I feel, yeah, I feel either way, I feel yeah. like um the game has ridiculous longevity. I know Diablo 4 is, you know, on the cusp right now, but I bought that see I own Diablo 3. I bought it when it first came out on the PC. Yeah. And I played it back when they had the 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 two auction houses. They had the one with the in-game money and they had the one with the uh real money. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> I think I made like 2 cents on that maybe. But uh <laughs> yeah, and so it was even then it was really fun um to play and so easy to jump in and out uh of the game. And now that there's all this in-game content with the, you know it's just it's just so fun to play. It's just it's one of those games that just makes you feel like you can stomp drag the game, you know. And then well, yeah. and then once you get all buffed up and you're feeling good and that that difficulty level rises just a little bit more, all of a sudden you're back to, you know, planning and strategizing and adjusting your skills and remapping and respecking and all that. So I think where the longevity comes from in my opinion is that um you can take these characters, whether it be a barbarian, a crusader, a demon hunter, whoever, right? You can take these characters and spec them out so differently. Mm-hmm. And you have a very different experience. So I have three barbarians right now. And the way that season 20 is working, like with when I got like the set armor for season 20, it's making me play a barbarian the way I've never played it before. And I'm totally <laughs> having fun with it. Yeah. Because I've never I've never tried this way before, and it's just it's a it's like a brand new it, it's like Madonna's song, like a virgin, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's a lot of good community content out there for people who are meta meta building. Um, so if you want to, you can grind, and you could spend the whole season just grinding for all of the pieces to complete that final top tier meta set that uh, right is out there, and that that in itself is fun if that's your bag. If you just want to get out there and kill monsters and see lots of blood and guts then you can just do that any way you want it's just a great game and it's like 
it's like exponentially better with friends. You know, when oh, you yeah. get a couple mm-hmm. of your buddies on there and you're playing together, man, it is a ton of fun. Yes. A ton yeah. of fun. It's a good game. Really enjoyed yeah. it. So Diablo 3 was a big geek week uh, for me. Also finally completed the Halo 5 campaign. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did that, didn't finally, we? Finally, yeah. And I I will say that um, the Halo franchise is, is probably just a little dated for me now. I'm... I'm just so used to so many. And we were talking about this of, you know, Halo 3 was probably the last really big Halo game for me. Right. Um, I was, you know, I had an original Xbox um, when it first came out, you know, and I played Marathon, you know, from Bungie's, some of Bungie's earlier games and, and just all those things. But uh, Halo 4, I didn't really, I didn't really super get into that. It was 343's, I think, first attempt yeah. at the franchise. Halo Five, I think the the gaming, the mechanics of the game were good, were solid, uh, but I just blew through it with friends, and I didn't really pay attention to the story. I mean, we'd be chatting and playing yeah. the game, and then I'd be like, "Wait, I think I just missed a ton of dialogue." And uh, whatever, just kill <laughs> some more guys in the next wave and keep pushing forward. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I well, and that's probably our fault because we'd all finish the story, and we're just like, "Yeah, oh, we don't need this cutscene anymore." Um, but the, I'll be honest with you, I think halo 5 was the least memorable of all the stories i mean i did mm-hmm. the, i did that on solo on legendary you know and i lived like experienced the whole thing when it first came out and you know i'm kind of like okay yeah i vaguely remember like what the premise was but of all the stories i mean it's like halo 1 2 and 3 really and reach reach really stuck in there mm-hmm. and then 4 you're like okay i got it i, I understand what we're doing right now and I, I've played that so many times that I remember it, but yeah. five, I'm just like, uh. And and one thing that one thing that's probably helped with the other ones is that when the Master Chief Collection came out, it had, mm-hmm. you know, Halo CE, Halo Two, Three, and Four in it, right? Yeah. And then they later added ODST and Reach yep. to it. And so going back and playing all those many times with friends and with that, you know, just alone, just getting achievements and stuff like that. Um, Halo 5 was never included in there, and so I played through it only just maybe once or yeah. twice, mm-hmm. you know, and so, I don't know. Halo 5 was, in my opinion, the weakest one, but, you know, people maybe get mad about that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, the other <laughs> thing is I, I always struggled to enjoy the Halo, uh, back in Halo 1, Halo 2 days, you know, when you were doing LAN parties, totally dug that and got into it. Halo 3, I really was competitive in Halo 3. I played with some really good really uh good guys that were levels above me which always kind of pulled me in and i just i kind of got sick of it honestly i think i got sick of and and i've kind of been like this ever since that game i don't really like games that have crazy shields um i like more of the um you know like the uh old school ghost recon where it's like you know realistic bullet damage kind of games where you've really got to pay attention you've got to be careful on your movement and strategy. Games where you can, you know, waste into someone and then they can turn a corner and five seconds later be recharged back up to full health. Like, I just don't like those kinds of games yeah, anymore. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's more fun and gun, uh, run and gun kind of thing, you know. Um, and I think it was Reach that they really started introducing a lot of, like, the armor supplements, mm-hmm. you know, that um, threw a lot of people out their game in terms of the competitive scene. There was a whole thing I watched about it. It was, like, this esports documentary about how Reach kind of killed 
um, the Halo esports. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, and how like Halo Three was kind of its pinnacle. Yeah. Um, in in esports, and then they introduced all these armor supplements and stuff like that, and it just kind of killed the the competitive community. And they all switched to other games like League of yeah. Legends or right. you know. <laughs> well, Halo Three was amazing in yeah, terms it of its multiplayer content, not and not just. The adversarials. The adversarials are great with the big team battles, you know, and those kind of things that was introduced. But the, um, the really the uh, competitive scoring in the co-op campaign yeah. was awesome. I tell you, I probably played through the Halo Three campaign, you know, fifty times, going through different <laughs> scoring challenges with buddies. And stuff. That was really kind of a heyday of, in my opinion, the first-person shooter genre too. I mm-hmm. mean, like the Call of Duties back then were ridiculously fun. Um, I don't know if you played them as much, but I played oh, yeah. them all the time. You know, like whenever a new Call of Duty came out, I got it. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I kind of dropped off. I, I started getting into more RPG stuff and, you know, senior player, single player stuff. And maybe part of that was because um, I just sort of got busy, you know, and I couldn't really be competitive as much on it's hard. some of these things. It's hard to stay up with that competitive scene because the most... The people that are going to be the most competitive are the, you know, the younger age guys who, you know, honestly, are the people who are like in college and they can they can go to school and they can get their work done and then they can spend six hours, yeah, playing Halo every day, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that and that to be honest, right, it's the thousand hour rule, right? The more time on the ball, the better, and yeah, and it's hard to compete when you've only you can only cram in like maybe an hour in the evening after the kids are in bed and you're already dead tired and your brain's about to shut off anyways yeah there's that point where you can start sniping people without zooming in that you've reached that level right and <laughs> it takes a lot of time to get to that point yeah well halo <laughs> 3 had a had a ridiculously strong auto aim yeah in it to begin with but uh but yeah it um there's some pretty amazing i remember i was reading a game informer once and it was one of the top ranked uh halo players and I was reading the article, and I was like, "Well, all right, what can I do to get better? What can I do to get better?" And he says, I "said So, what's your what's your uh, what's your strategy?" And he was like, "So, I have a regimented practice routine. I go to I go to school every day. Then I come home and I play I play Halo from this time to this time. And I'm counting up these hours. I'm like, dude, he's playing Halo for eight hours a day. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I give up. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> have you ever tried to play um, like the Lazo campaign things? Uh, like the the um, legendary all skulls on. Oh 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 uh, yeah no. So it turns off the auto aim for you, yes. and you can't mm-hmm. hit the broadside of a barn. Yep. <laughs> I'm like I'm so bad at this. Well, and, and the other thing is the yeah. Halo the Halo system has a smaller field of view than most other uh, uh, first person shooters. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but you know you have this you have this kind of immersive experience of being inside a helmet. Yeah, you know, a visor, and Halo actually has a shorter field of, uh, a not as wide a beam width uh, field of oh, view as other okay. first-person shooters. Um, I don't know if it was because they were going for the helmet or it's just the way that their engine works, but uh, yeah. so yeah, it becomes incredibly difficult to pay attention to your surroundings and stuff without the those auto assists. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I've tried a couple of times just to get like the achievement of like yeah. finish one mission with it on. I'm like, yeah, can't do it. Not even the beginning <laughs> <Right>. mission. <laughs> you suck. I'm like that grunt in like Halo CE. That first grunt kills me every single time. And yeah. I'm like, and I can't even get out of the yep. system. <laughs> and so I just uh, just back up and just put the uh, grunt birthday party on and call it a day. Yeah, exactly. 
So worth it. That skull's yep. the best one in the game. Yep. Best one of all time <laughs> when they introduced that one. That's awesome. All right. Any, anything else for your Geek Week? No, that's probably it, man. Cool, cool. Well, um, obviously, I played some Diablo three and Halo with you. Um, yep. This uh, this weekend and throughout the week, um, I've done more Rogue Trader prep. So, for the record, I'm I've been off this week, so um, I've had a little bit more time to do geeky stuff. And uh, we've been putting our kids through a regimen of like two hours of school a day, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, so I'll sit down with them at the kitchen table, and while they're doing their schoolwork, I've been doing like Rogue Trader prep. And, uh, what are you, you know, doing, Daddy? Our, oh, I'm yeah. doing my work. I'm doing my homework. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm I'm doing my um my RPG prep for this Saturday that we're gonna kick it off. I'm excited for it. Oh, it is this Saturday. Yep. I need and, to make sure it's on my calendar. Uh, yeah, you better make sure. And uh, let's see. So yeah, I'm doing rogue rogue trader prep. Uh, Diablo three. Um, also, when I haven't been doing rogue trader prep on the computer, I've been firing up Endless Space two. Oh, you jumped yeah. back into that, huh? Yeah, I'll tell you what. After a while, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm just ready to win this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to win this thing for at least 50 more turns. Yep. You know? Yep. And so where I'm at right now is I'm going for the supremacy win factor, which is I have to conquer 22 star systems or, or colonize 22 star systems. Uh-huh. I've got 15 done now. I've got seven colonizer ships out going out to the star systems and it's going to take like i don't know probably 30 turns after they get there at least you know to actually turn the outpost into a colony and meanwhile my entire empire is burning (laughs) like the morale is so low because i have blown through the colonizer like requirement yeah. you know and so everybody hates the fact that i've expanded throughout like the galaxy over overpopulated worlds so i've literally you know got like yeah yeah totally overpopulated i've literally got like battleships at every major system so whenever there's like a thing <laughs> they just like shut it down they're like yeah. no rebellion for you <laughs> boom <laughs> so i'm yes. kind of like all right i don't care if you guys rebel i've got enough manpower that i'll put you down yeah, because you see the so. history books for your reign. It was a time of oppression. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, like, literally every other turn, because, like, it's just pure anarchy that's happening in this empire, um, it's like, your system's fallen into anarchy. Now you're, di- now you're a dictatorship. Your system's fallen into anarchy. Now you're a republic. Your system's fallen into anarchy. Now you're a federation. Oh, back to dictatorship. Like, yep. <laughs> like every other turn, I'm flipping the flipping governments. Yeah, faster than the French, man. Yeah, I love how you can uh, right. I love how you can um, put you can enact laws and yeah. or your you know your government and everything. I I loved in I loved endless space one. Played it to death. Uh, endless space two. I love the the UI reskin they put on it. Uh, uh-huh. It really kind of gives you that everything's alive and moving and fluid. Stellaris is another really good game. I would say Stellaris might actually be a little more in depth for the people who like really geek out over four X game. But Endless Space is is a little bit easier to just jump in and still feel immersed. So that's one of my favorites. There's still a lot to do. I'm I'm kind of like, all right, I need to do this one thing. What's the lever I need to pull? Yeah, to it's make it been happen. A while. Yeah, it's been a while since I've actually finished an Endless Space 2 game. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, you know, you, you get going for the first, you know, you get through 20 turns, and you're like, okay, I could do this. 
And then you realize there's probably another 120 turns in this game. Oh, at least. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm just trying to keep the diplomatic relations with the other three major powers. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm your friends, guys. Don't attack me. Yay. They're like, why are you coming into my system? Yeah, and I'm like, right? I'm, I'm just uh, your friendly local colonizer. Yeah. I'm here to help clear the pirates out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, except one one guy sending the pirates at me. He's a real uh, jerk. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was the A. It's the Can't AI respect guy. Respect borders. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, did, did a little bit of Endless Space two, and then last night I played an Age of Sigmar game on Tabletop Simulator, and it went swimmingly. I mean, all things considered, um, well, I thought it was a great yeah. game. Swimmingly until round three. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so the guy I was playing against, he was hosting the game, and apparently I think his hard drive's going out, so he would randomly freeze up, which would shut the game down. And yeah. unless we had saved, or like there was an autosave, um, like we had to go back and move our pieces, and sometimes that got a little tricky. But um, I think, though, after my last move, it was pretty much over. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I, I destroyed, like, his big block of, of guys, and that would have uh, caused some problems for me if I hadn't get, gotten rid of them. So, but I'm learning a lot about my army. Even now, I've got a couple experiment games I want to play with other people just to try things out yeah. and see how I like them, you know. But um, that, what's kind of cool about Tabletop Simulator is you can do that. You know what I mean? You can say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to throw this random list together because you have all the digital models there. And um, try something that, like, you would never... I don't have, like, yeah. 40 Arrow Boys from Bone Splitters. Like, it'd be really interesting to try it out and see how I liked it. Yeah. And if I really liked it, then I'll maybe I'll buy it, you know? You know, you're so. going to have to play me again someday. I'm... A, I, listen, the door's open. I'm ready for you. I'm ready for <laughs> you and your ogres. I'm ready for you and FEC. Whatever you want to throw at me. Although, the one night that you said you were willing to play me, I was not feeling so well, so I had to go. It's cool. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway. We played we played each other as component opponents so much at the beginning that I think we kind of like demagnetized ourselves from each other. <laughs> We're like, all right, who can play a game? Justin's like, I'm free, and I'm like, I'm free, and I'm like, eh, okay, we'll just skip the games this week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it t- it takes two to tango, and we had to learn. We had yeah. to learn, so we played a lot in the beginning. <laughs> right. So yeah, it was good times good times uh last little thing is i did some painting today so that was good made some headway always yeah yep. yep. so yeah so it was a good good geek week uh, my wife keeps telling me that i have things going on every night and it's starting to be the how come you have things going on every night i think she's starting to wonder why during quarantine i still have things <laughs> going on <laughs> make sure you gotta make sure you Reserve some time for the two of you. I know, I know. It's well. The thing is, is we are doing stuff. It's just throughout the day a little bit more, especially yeah, when right, I'm off. Because you're both home. Yeah. So she's like, "But wait a minute, you know." So. I see. That's different for you, man. See, I'm uh, my work has transitioned 100 percent to remote. I'm actually working longer hours now that I'm home. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst. It's crazy. I, I will, but it is nice. I will say, you know, like in the middle of the day, I can just be like, you know, what? I'm freaking going for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll get outside. I'll put the dog on a leash. Yeah. And I'll go for like a thirty minute walk. And and you know what? You can like go upstairs and make yourself a sandwich and it's like yeah. not a big deal, right? Yep. So it is yeah. nice to be just have a different routine. Um I'm in a I'm definitely in a more beneficial position, uh, and I do count my blessings on that than a lot of people because I know a lot of people are struggling, they just aren't working and they're not getting paid. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, heart goes out to all those people. I hope we can, you know, see some things change here in the near future so that uh, we can kind of get our economy back going the way it should be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I hope uh, for any of you listening out there that's just been forced to stay home and are, yeah. you know, not not uh, have a paycheck coming in. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like us to get, get everybody back working as soon as possible. Yep. Yep. So anyway, um, all right. So let's, uh, let's talk about some news that happened. Um, I'm sure you saw this. I know a lot of our geeky friends saw it and were mm-hmm. like totally geeking out over it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Henry Cavill, who is known for playing, um, Superman, and, and the Witcher, the Witcher, the Witcher, and recently, the Man from Uncle. The the what? okay, all right, all right. Maybe you didn't see that movie, but the, he was say it in again. It. I didn't hear you. What you the say? Man from Uncle. The man. It's not ringing a bell. So that was a. It was like a spy show in like the seventies, like with um, oh, like, like Get Smart. Yes. Yeah. So they made a movie about it. Yeah. And he was uh, he was the U.S. agent. Uh-huh. And there was oh, some oh, oh. lady that was a Russian. Oh, oh, and also the latest Mission Impossible movie. Oh, yes, he, he was he in would, that. And he was an awesome bad guy in that yes, movie. Yes, he was. He was very and good in it. It's several years old now, so I didn't just ruin it. No, yeah, yeah there's nope. some spoilers on that one. Yep. That was yep. a pretty good Mission Impossible. He did He did a really good job in that movie, actually. Yeah. Really yeah. good job. Yeah, big fan of it. So He's a good actor. He is, he is, and I think that he sort of got typecast as the Superman. People well, always think of him as Superman, right? Yeah, and honestly, I he's not my favorite Superman. I mean, is it fair. Christopher Reeve? Well, that's well, I'm probably there? biased with Dean Kane. It's Dean Kane, isn't it? Nah. <laughs> it's probably biased just because I grew up with Christopher Reeves, you know, yeah. playing Superman. But I just. I don't know, and I don't think it's honestly. I don't think that it is um, his fault, but I think that the writing for the Superman yeah. in the latest DC Superman movies is just—he just kind of comes off as this like, like the yeah. world sucks, everything's against me. There's no way I can win. It's just like just so many of those faces. Like, did you ever see a uh, law uh, alias? Yes. Yep. It was Vaughn on Alias. Like Vaughn yep. had the exact same face the entire <laughs> series. He's like, oh, it's just horrible. Everything just sucks really bad. I'm so sorry. But, you know, we're just gonna have to go kill these guys. And yeah, seriously. It's like, oh my god. So, anyways, he's <laughs> I, a really good actor. I I agree with you that I yeah. think that he um his writing was not good. I think yeah, that that failed because I think he could have done better. And yeah. evidenced by The Witcher. Um, yes, because he uh-huh. played Geralt of Rivia so spot on. Like, I, I have you have you even picked up Witcher three yet? Uh, I have, and I played it a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so you've seen a little bit of the, you know, the yeah. The he mannerisms. picked up the guy from the game right on. Oh, dude, it's yeah. so good. It is so good. So, anyway, and then we can talk about the Witcher later. But um, he sent out on his Instagram, which I am now following because um, <laughs> my. One of my Instagram accounts, the El Renegado Minis uh, Instagram account, only One. follows people who paint miniatures. Like, I don't follow any ah, of the politics gotcha. stuff mm-hmm. or Instagram models or anything like that. It's only miniatures, and now I have to follow him because he um, put on his uh, Instagram that he was in quarantine waiting for The Witcher 2 to start filming again. But in the meantime, he was just getting some hobbying done, yep. and he had an Adeptus Custodes warhammer 40k model that uh, helmet that he was painting um and for the record by the way um he was like 
this wasn't like a rookie painting either, like that he was doing, right? Like he had the helmet pinned, like on a little pin that he was painting that he could then glue on later yeah. to the thing. And that's not rookie level hobbying. Like you do that once you've known like, oh crap, if I put this helmet on, I can't paint the other parts of the armor that I need to do. So I got to paint this all separately. Yeah. Right? So I don't know how good he is overall, but at least he knows that. And it looked like his paint job was doing pretty good. He had a nice point on his brush. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Nice little point there. Showing a little yeah. technique of laying the brush over across the finger. So so the uh, thing that came out of that is that all the Warhammer 40K fans started geeking out hardcore and pushing hard for him to take a role in what sounds like might be a um, Warhammer oh, the, 40K yeah. HBO series. Right. Yeah, that's been in talk for a while. Yeah, probably like the Halo series. Huh? Yeah, the Halo series <laughs> has been in talk for a while. The other thing is that uh, there a long time ago there was a Dead Space uh, talk, and I would love to see a Dead Space movie or series. Yeah, Dead Space is one of my all-time favorite franchises. Love well, hopefully it doesn't get thrown into the Tremors the series uh, bucket where it says it's still in production, but it started <laughs> in two thousand and eleven. Right. You know, good stuff. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. Um, all right, so Privateer Press, um, they have their um, convention, and Privateer Press is primarily known for like their paints and things like that, but they also have um, like uh, Hordes is their big tabletop game, and um, oh, so mm -hmm. they in their cons normally have like um, exclusive convention minis. That you can only get if you go to the convention. Well, we're starting, you know, in Privateer Press, I think is located in the Seattle area, if I'm not mistaken. And I just don't think that their convention is going to be happening this year. Yeah, probably and not. So, um, so what they've done is they've put their convention exclusive minis up on their web shop. And they're pretty ah, cool, cool minis. So if you want to check it out, go to privateerpress.com and yeah. check out their web shop and you'll see the exclusive minis. Cool. That's kind of cool. Um, let's see. You love um, a Xbox game that we play. Um, yeah, we talked about it um, on a prior podcast just a couple episodes ago, I think. Yeah. Elite so, Dangerous. Elite Dangerous. So mm -hmm. you love that game, and Frontier has recently launched a beta testing. And it's only on the PC right now. I heard it's going to be coming to the Xbox um, late this month or early next month. Anyway, um, but they put out the beta testing for fleet carriers, and these are like giant ships that you can get that are essentially like mini space stations that you can run operations from. And they've put out some pricing for it, and the initial prices that they had for like purchase and upkeep apparently were so out of astronomically ridiculous that everybody said, there's no way that we will ever be getting this ship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and using it. And so today I saw there was an update from Frontier, and they said that they're going to be dropping the prices overall on, like, um, upkeep 80 to 90, 85 to 90%. Yeah. I, I was like, what? 85 to 90%? Like, that's such a huge drop. Like, they were so far out of touch with, like, what people were doing. Because the way that their thing was, um, the pricing was, is it would lock you into a certain type of activity just to keep up with the prices. And like void opal mining was 
mentioned specifically, right? Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. like, I don't want to just avoid opal mining for the rest of my experience. Like, right. I would have to do that to keep <laughs> this fleet carrier up, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, um, so I think that there's still going to be a lot of changes to it, but it sounds like um, it's starting to come out of the stratosphere into normal world reality. Yeah, I think that, and I, I, I didn't say it, but this is exactly what I thought was going to happen is they would put it out into the beta like they always do. Yeah. Uh, they'd get a lot of feedback from people and then they would adjust. And what really, and this seems to happen with most games, is when they put out new giant big things, it's typically harder to get those. It's it's harder to utilize, take advantage of those things than if you wait a couple patches you know, down the road, a couple patches yeah. down the road. They're usually easing those things out, making it easier to bring them into your, you know, into your armament, into your uh, capabilities, because they realize, hey, you know, now that this is out there and more people want it, um, people want to keep playing the game. If we want people to keep playing our game, we need to make the game easy and fun for them to play. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't, you think of a game like EVE Online, and EVE Online is just like, suck it. It takes, you know, a year to learn how to fly the ship, a year real time. If you want to fly the ship, it takes a year, and that's what you're going to have to do. And right. even even Eve, the, the developers behind EVE Online have, have softened their requirements on things over time as they realized we have to keep our player base. And if we yeah. don't make it easier to play the game, the player base is going to go in our fast-paced world to another game. So when I saw originally it was going to be like originally it was like somewhere between ten and twenty billion and I was like, Ugh. and then it went. Now yeah. it's somewhere between seven and ten with an upkeep of seven billion, yeah. and now it's like ah, it's going to be somewhere around five billion and probably not cost much to keep up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, they said yeah, something like back. ten to seventeen million to upkeep to upkeep and that's yeah that's it's totally doable, doable. Yeah. and apparently you can bank away a bunch of money too you know what i mean so if you put a hundred billion in there you're good for several weeks yeah you know or, or not billion hundred million in there but anyway. yeah we'll we'll see yeah. this elite dangerous is one of those games that i pick up i play i'll play it solid for like a month and then i'll put it down and i won't play it for like three months but i've been playing the game since you know it can't i played the the beta before it was which they don't call beta it was like and it's not Steam Greenlight. There was some name for it on Xbox when they first, when something would be released, but it wasn't quite out yet. I don't remember what it was called. Anyways, yeah. so yeah, I love the game. I actually have a flight controller stick, uh, a Thrustmaster flight controller stick that oh, yeah. uh, I love playing it with. It really, if you play, if you play those kinds of games, those those controllers really up the immersive feel and how awesome it is to fly spaceships. I'm yeah. just gonna say it. It was total. We talked. I've talked about it before on a prior episode, but totally worth it. A lot of fun. Yeah. So it, I'm. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the. You know it, what I. What I'm really impressed with though is that Frontier is responding so quickly. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, they're good and guys. Now and and the thing too is I'm the beta community that they've been using. I mean these guys play this almost like a second job. You know what I mean? And so they're so tuned in on like everything, all the aspects of the game that I think that they're, that Frontier shows that their feedback is really valued. Yeah. You know, and, they, and that they trust them, which is, I think, a very healthy gaming and developer community, kind of a gaming community and developer relationship. And that's a pretty good model that they have there. So anyway, 
Um, all right, so um, D&D Forgotten Realms has a new supplement that just recently came out. And this is called um, Welcome to, or it's called the Border Kingdoms a Forgotten Realms Campaign Supplement. It's not an official Wizards of the Coast product, um, but it was developed by um, two of the guys, Ed Ed Greenwood and Alex Kammer, and apparently they um, had helped develop some of the original content for the Forgotten Realms. So they um, put this together. It's got a hundred pages of lore about the border kingdoms. It's got a new map um, that's kind of like if you look at the Forgotten Realms. I guess it's like in uh, like one of the southern quadrants um, down there, and it's just kind of like this border mm, kingdoms okay. area that nobody's yeah. explored before. Mm-hmm. It's got eleven new fully uh, f- eleven. It says eleven new and fully adventures league legal character backgrounds. So it can be incorporated into the Adventures League, and um, it's got a bunch of um, campaign hooks and all that type of stuff. So it doesn't sound like it's actual. Um, it doesn't sound like it's actual like a uh, uh, campaign book. Like it's not like uh, you know like Into the Abyss or um, you know some of the some of the other ones that have come out, but um, it's a source book. And apparently, it's it's not a Wizards of the Coast product, but it's fully approved by Wizards of the Coast, meaning that it's um, like the content and all the lore in the book is official Forgotten Realms canon. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is kind of cool. Um, you can pick this up on Dungeons Master, uh, Dungeon Masters Guild, um, so dmsguild.com, and you can get a PDF for fifteen bucks, which is kind of nice. Um, you can get a hardcover for $29.99, a softcover for $24.99, or you can get the PDF and softcover for, um, let's see, the PDF and hardcover is $37.99, and the PDF and softcover is $32.49. So if you're planning to get, like, the book, you might as well spend, you know, an extra 8 bucks to get the PDF as well and have them mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be honest with you, like a source book for 30 bucks isn't too bad. No, it's not bad at all. You know? So, yeah. Anyway, it looks kind of cool. It seems like people are really excited about it. So, um, yeah. Kind of interesting. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, and this is kind of one of my things that I saw that I might be interested in. Um, Humble, Humble Bundle, which if you guys aren't like on the Humble Bundle uh, mailing list, you should get on there. Because there's some really cool bundles that yep. end up coming out. And um, there's the Bundle of Holding which is technically separate from Humble Bundle, but Bundle of Holding is for like RPG games specifically. I picked up Rogue Trader and all of the source books for $15. Um, we were talking all of the source books, that if you were to go to the Cubicle 7 website and buy them all, it would be hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. And I got it for 15 And mm-hmm. I love it. And it's great. They're all they're always DRM-free. They're, you, you can get them in multi-format, like either PDF or EPUB or Mobi, like whatever whatever way you want it or use it, um, it's great. So right now, Humble Bundle has a series starters black library collection. And so they are, let's see, there's um, six, 13, yeah, probably about 20 books in this, um, in this from the black library, which is Warhammer 40K. Yeah. And um, it's like a bunch of the series that started, you know, like, so, 
it'll be like the first book of three and you can like read it. So there's like the 13th Legion, there's like Space Wolves, stuff like that, that you can kind of read and um, get into that. And then from there, you can sort of add other books that you like. But man, for paying, uh, so $1 will get you six books, eight more dollars will bring that total to uh, seven, uh, 13 books. And if you pay 15 more on top of that, so you're looking at, you know, $24, you're going to add another, um, a lot, 12 books. So you're looking at 25 books for $25. <clears throat> well, it depends on whatever you want to, whatever you want to pay. Right. Cause so like, for yeah. example, if you, and the way that their tier structure works, it's just the X or more. So if you pay $15 or more, you unlock all of the books right yes. now. Oh, that's true. No, yeah, yep. you're right. I was reading that as fifteen more. Oh, yeah, you were adding. But, yeah, no. But you're right. Yeah, if you just... pay fifteen, you can unlock twenty-five books. Yeah, and uh, remember, it goes to charity, so it does support yep. a cause. And I th- and the thing I like about the humble bundles is you can adjust how much goes to charity directly to charity, how much goes to humble to pay their admin costs. Yep. And that I think that's really cool. You know, I can actually know a percentage. That I can control the percentage that goes to the uh, the pass through guy, right? Um, yeah, I absolutely. used to subscribe. They changed it recently uh, to now it's Humble Choice, but I used to subscribe to the Humble Monthly. I did last year, um, right? It was like 120 bucks for the whole year. Um, it's like 10 bucks a month or something, and you got I got like six to six to 12 games a month, and it was a good way to build my Steam library up. I didn't actually keep going. They changed it to Humble Choice this year. And I decided to stop because I realized I was looking at my Steam library and I realized I am never going to play these games. There's not <laughs> enough time in the rest of my life. Um, and I will say that, like, you know, there were probably six or seven games across that entire year that were ones that I had been looking to play at some point. Right. Um, and the rest of them were kind of just games that like I, I had heard of or hadn't heard of and they were in a lot of indie stuff and a lot of little little you know twenty dollar games um, that I probably would never have played if they weren't in the bundle and I'd play them for you know like an hour or two and then never play them again right. so it it on the other hand on one hand it's like I don't know if it was worth it but on the other hand I was like yeah it probably was and at the same time I paid uh, you know a portion of that went to charity so didn't feel bad about it yeah yeah so check it out humblebundle.com or like i said google bundle of holding there's a lot of really cool (laughs) indie games that are out there for rpg stuff so yeah good stuff yep um all right so with dan not here um we actually had a different podcast plan for you tonight and we're going to get to it uh, another week because we really wanted dan included so we called an audible and we decided that we were going to talk about um, a game that Jason and I are very familiar with um, and something that we've run multiple times and we'd give it sort of our official tabletop and beyond review um, and, and go through it a little bit. So the game is Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, those of us, uh, those of you who know us pretty well know that we've talked about this a lot. Jason and I actually had a podcast before called yeah. um, Blood and Steel. Mm-hmm. And we had probably like 25 to 30 episodes um, that we ran weekly yeah, or every other like week, roughly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we kind of all aspects of the game. And um, as we sort of transition out of the game, we sort of transition out of that podcast and into this podcast eventually. 
And so here we are, but we thought we'd give it our official review since we are very familiar with it. Um, so, Jason, why don't you kind of kick us off on how we sort of stumbled into Shout of the Demon Lord? Yeah, it was fun. Um, and this will be a little overlap for people who have you know listened to our prior podcast. But uh, we were on the way to Gen Con. What do you do? You think it was twenty seventeen? Uh, yeah, it was Gen Con twenty seventeen. Yeah, we were on our way to, to Gen Con and like literally in the car. And every time I'm, you know, we you could fly. I think it's about a ten, probably more like an eleven and a half to twelve hour trip, uh, road trip. And we just yeah, if we, you stop for lunch and all that. Yeah, and we do the road trip just because it's fun to have a bunch of guys get in. Bunch of guys get in a minivans or whatever and just drive and you know let the world melt away behind us as we are heading to our gaming convention. Uh, anyway, so usually about out you know the three hours out of Indianapolis, I, I pull up my schedule and I start looking for the gaps that I have, and I usually just start blip, kind of sliding through to try to find a new game that I've never played before. And I said I'm going to find an RPG game that I've never played before. So I went and I <laughs> I was reading the description of this game and i was like oh it sounds like it's this is sounds like this is a western <laughs> so i said okay let's do this one so i signed up and i think you had a free schedule and you signed up with me yeah and uh and we went to this thing and sat down and let me tell you this was not a western <laughs> <laughs> it was not a western because it, it was at all. The, the description was like you find yourself on a frontier town yeah and something's exactly. happening with the cattle yeah and you're like so oh, the, the cattle's okay. drying up and there hasn't been rain for weeks and i'm like oh okay well, i'll get my problem. dust cloak on and yep. uh you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what do you yeah, <laughs> you know, but no, that's not what happened at all. So it was, you know, so. you go into this frontier town, and it's not just that there's no water; it's like people are like, you know, shriveling up and dying, and cows horrific. are being mutilated. Yeah, and, you know, you're like, uh. <laughs> right? There's something horrific is happening here. You know? And we quickly and, realized it was a fantasy and yeah. not not a western. No, 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 no. <laughs> Especially when we had a goblin in our uh, yeah, party. Exactly. That was the big tip. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, so we play this game, and uh, you know it's uh, looks. What was the name of the supplement? Was it looks like rain? Uh, You're without rain. You're without rain. Yeah, uh, one of the earlier supplements. Um, yeah, one of their better ones. I too, think that though. was one of the. Wasn't that one of the Kickstarters? Oh, uh, I'm not sure, but it, it was. Matter. It was a great supplement. Great game. Yeah. So eventually, you know, you explore the town. There's some good opportunities for detective role play work. Um, and you drop down into the middle of the well and. And you go through this kind of a dungeon crawl, uh, mm-hmm. which was pretty ruthless. And then we get to the boss. And you're like, the whole party is together at this point. I'm like, all right, this is cool. We're getting through everything. It's a fantasy game. Then we get to the boss. And the boss just starts destroying us. Destroying I mean, us. Yeah, like killed the first two guys, like the two members of our party. No joke, like immediately. <laughs> and we're like... What? what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> like because because like we literally just came from like I mean the last couple like of days a, we were playing like fifth, Star Wars and D and D and like yeah. nobody dies. Nobody in dies in fifth edition. No, it just doesn't happen. Especially no. Star Wars, as Dan has proven to us time and time again. You just can't. You cannot kill, kill the players. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're invincible. No, he's gonna get on me for that one. I'm not kidding, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, so yeah, so fun stuff. Uh, so anyways, yeah, I mean, and we're dying horrifically. Yeah, I think bad. you, I think, I think she like 
grabbed you in her arm. It was like a spider queen ish demon lady. Demon. She grabbed you in her arms and just like totally sucked your innards out or something. And then ripped me in half. And then ripped you in half. And you were like an orc. Yeah. No, you were the orc. I was a priest. I was the orc. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And and our little goblin guy, remember he like tried to like slide under and stab oh, yeah, him in no, the lake? Didn't work. And he like swung his fist and like hit him up against the wall and he just splattered. Yeah. And died. And we're like, oh dear. That was like one of the first deaths where we're just like did this just happen? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He did it, and, and then we were like, "So what? He's dead." <laughs> <laughs> I think the dude had to go to another game. He's like, "Well, guys, thanks a lot. We'll see you later." Like yeah, the, he did. The, he, the goblin player. Yeah, he did. He turned to scene. He was like, "Oh, okay. Well." But uh, yeah, and I think I, oh, I think I ended it out right. It was like I, I was like, okay, there's you're the only one alive. There's nothing is going to happen here, and but you know, going out in a in in a blaze of glory, dude. I literally had Bon Jovi's song yep. playing in my head. Yep. You know, yep. you were going down in a blaze of glory. That's right. And so I think I, <laughs> I think we started chanting on the table like Lily. You, me, were left, and the DM. And we were literally banging our fists on the table, yelling, blood and steel, blood and steel, blood because, and steel. Because, because you were having, you could hear, like, yes. voices in your head. From my ancestors. From your ancestors. And, yeah, well, it was blood and iron. Blood well, and iron. It actually oh, no, was we're... blood and steel. It was blood and steel. Oh, you're uh, right. You're this, right. Even though, and this is this is another funny thing about the game. And in, in, in the universe in this game, there is no steel. <laughs> iron so i don't know why the guy put blood and steel on my oh that's so true yeah (laughs) but we didn't know anything about the game so whatever so (laughs) i'm like all right let's do this so i grab my i grab my whatever i had like giant sledgehammer or something i said and i jump towards the beast with my sledgehammer up and i roll the dice and it was like the worst failed roll you could possibly get (laughs) and and all he did was look up us and said and you were never heard or seen from ever again (laughs) fade to black (laughs) fade to black And, like, we stood up. We were, like, high-fiving each other. We're like, yeah, we all died. It was amazing. Oh, and it, all, all the people were standing around us because, you know, we were they were waiting for the table for their next game. And they were looking at us like, what's going on with these guys? Yeah, it was – you know what was interesting is that was the that was the um, D&D area. Like, the big uh, yeah. D&D area. The Baldwin you know? games. Yeah, and so we're sitting there, like, high-fiving. We're like, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. Baldwin. We totally died. But the thing is, is, is it felt so cinematic. Oh, man, it was awesome. It felt so cinematic. Like, just think, the way we played it was so much fun. I think walking out of that building, we I think I bought the core rulebook on Amazon. I did, too. I was like, I, absolutely I pulled up my phone did. and was like, boom. Got <laughs> it. the cart. Got it. And that yep. started, what, are you like a year-long, year-and-a-half-long campaign? Yeah, I ran the campaign for it for about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, it was good. So so let's talk about the setting a little bit. Um, it It's obviously not your mom and dad's D&D game, right? Mm-hmm. Nope. This isn't, this isn't um, hey, everybody, we're living in a land of fun pixies and dwarves, like, you know, and, and no. maybe the dwarves have a little bit of gripe against the elves, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 what a can grim... we do to make the world a better place. Yeah, exactly. It is a grim dark setting, and oh if you don't gosh, know what grim dark is, they use that word for like a lot of like forty k um, stuff, where it's like everything sucks, everything's war, everything just is not good, right? It's hopeless. And 
it's hopeless. And that is just the setting. If you were to take D&D and add Grimdark, you'd have Shadow of the Demon Lord, mm-hmm. I think. So it, yeah, it's great. The, the whole premise is that the um, there is a vo- there is an alternate... I guess you can kind of think of it this way. There's an alternate universe between um, our world and the next, which is where the Demon Lord himself resides. And right, called the, the Void. There is, yeah, the Void. And there is a crack between the void uh, and our world or that is uh, slowly growing. And these little cracks and rifts are allowing the demon lord's you know, essence to pour through in the form of other demons and monstrosities that uh, are wrecking havoc on the land. And the reality is when you read the rule book, you realize it almost, I think it almost even says in there, like, it's going to happen. Right. There's, there's no saving this world. It's just about what you can do with what's the time you have left. Yeah, exactly. And it um the the crack is too small for the actual demon lord to come in. But yeah. of course, there's always those cultists who think they know better. Yeah. <laughs> and will do anything they can to widen that crack. That's right. right. That's right. So, yeah, crack kills kids. It, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a dark setting um and, you know, it players die. It's very like, unforgiving. Very unforgiving yeah. and um, that's part of its charm, in oh, my opinion. Yes, it, you know? every every time you do any encounter or anything, you are you are paying really close attention because there is a strong possibility of death for you. I that's one of the things that attracted me to this game more Absolutely. than anything, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like the actions that you do mattered. Absolutely, right? it's like oh Always. well, I you know I probably should have done that. Well, if you say that in playing a Shadow of the Demon Lord game, you're probably going to die. Yep. Or someone else will. Or someone else will, you know. <laughs> we we had a guy in our campaign, Jim. Um, he was running a, a clockwork, right? And he was playing him. And he went out like as a hero trying to protect all you guys, you know. And he just took a beating and ended up dying. Later on, he goes, oh, man, I totally forgot to do these things that would have probably kept him alive. Yeah. But he forgot to do them and he died. That's and it, it. was it's like we're not going to retcon it at that point, you know. What well, I mean, I mean and so. that's again, that's probably what would happen, right? I mean, if you're in the middle of something like that in real yeah. life, you know, you're not, you don't have a hundred percent of your wits about you, right? You know, you're going to yeah. forget. You're going to forget about the health potion or the whatever trait you had or the skill or yeah. The thing that I love about the game is, and um, we can talk about, is the in the mechanics. The mechanics are what make the game lethal. Um, right. There are some pretty hefty death mechanics. There's some pretty hefty insanity. W- insanity with stuff that actually does, uh, can really control the the encounter and the situation. Um, I love the insanity mechanics in here. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's super, A, it's super easy to gain insanity. And once you hit your threshold, there's a table that happens. And I think... I love there's like a everything on there I love on this on this D it's a D20 you roll and there's 20 options that happen and I mean it's everything like our clockwork same clockwork guy went insane and he plucked out his own eyes yep <laughs> you know and you're like so what's he gonna do after that because he can't see anything he can try to swing his sword but he has so many penalties now that he's not gonna hit anything you yeah. know and uh, uh, we had another guy who went insane, and he thought bugs were crawling around inside of his skin. So somebody had to take an action to stop him from doing that, or yep. he damaged himself. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
you know and uh i mean there was just a oh oh we had one guy who heard a noise remember this you guys had that huge battle at the cabin and he heard a noise and he went to look under a table and there was a little shadow monster that went rah like right at him and he keeled over and had a heart attack he and had died. a heart attack <laughs> yep. he survived a huge battle but then died of that little shadow monster Oh, that was so fantastic. Yeah, so the insanity mechanics are fantastic. And the way that you kind of lose insanity um, kind of sets you up to gain it again in the future. Like, you don't lose that much. And um, there's some really cool narrative stuff that you can do to lose insanity that kind of, you know, make you weird. Well, there's insanity and then also uh, the corruption Corruption. mechanic. Yeah. And I remember uh, one of my characters kept getting corruption, corruption, corruption. And we had a little side adventure where he kind of redeemed himself a little bit. And you were like, yeah. okay, so you restore like this much corruption. And then afterwards, like, so you should be good now, right? And I'm like, oh, I still have like eight <laughs> out of ten. And you were like, oh. I was like, yeah, it's not looking good for this guy. I don't think there's any amount of redemption. Oh, but you did a great so job. You did a great job presenting, you know, the standard like not black or white, gray conundrums. It's like, what do you do in this situation? Well, there's no real good, there's no real good solution, but there's a very clear bad solution. Yeah. Uh, and you're gonna you're gonna take corruption. It's not fair. The world's not supposed to be fair. Even if you try to be the most righteous guy, you're, there's gonna this world will corrupt your character. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun to play the game. You, you know where I took a lot of inspiration for um, some of the campaign stuff and what? just uh, the overall tone was actually the Witcher Three yeah video I could game. See, I could see because the that, Witcher yeah. Three. I think that if you want to talk about grim dark in a fantasy setting, the Witcher is a fantastic start. You mm-hmm. know where it's just like there's monsters, there's people who are not good people. You know what I mean? And there's a couple good good eggs here and there, but they're few and far between. You know. Yeah, so let's talk. So we've talked a lot about the setting in the game. Yeah. I think people probably have a good idea of what what the the world is like. But what's what makes this the mechanics of the system different than other RPGs? Well, one thing that I love about this game is the initiative system, and it is so different than any other thing. And when we talked to Robert Schwab as part of our podcast, we specifically asked him about it, and he said that the initiative system was really driving him kind of baddie with a lot of the other things you know it's your typical all right roll your agility or roll a you know a d20 add your agility bonus what's your score and you rank everybody in a list and you kind of go from there yeah the you know? uh the current like D uh initiative systems we're kind of getting at them yeah exactly so and how can we speed this up yeah and that was the, really the thing about it right is that there was taking so much time doing initiative that it was taken away from the story and, and narrative and so to get into um the shadow of the demon lord initiative system basically there's fast turns and slow turns fast turns you get one action that's all you get to do you can that's it. You move with that action you can attack with that action you can drink a potion with that action you only have one action that you can do right mm-hmm. a slow turn is a movement and an action I mean, mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. Do I want to move and act, or do I just want to do one thing? And uh, that's further broken down into um, two kind of subcategories. So the fast action is going to have the players that go first, and then the monsters that will also take a fast action. Yep. And then you'll move to the slow action, where the players take the first slow action, and then the monsters will then take the slow action. And what's cool about that is it's kind of predictable. But that speeds the game along. You know what you're going to do. So the longest thing is you're saying, am I going fast or slow? Fast or slow? 
and you know that the monster is going to go after that. But what also is cool about it is that it lets the player set up some kind of cool combos sometimes. So we had a guy, Jim, who after his clockwork character died, he became a sorcerer, if I'm or a wizard, a sorcerer. And he um, would, he spec that guy out as a primarily support character. Mm -hmm. And he would be casting crazy spells that would let you guys start hitting like crazy and doing crazy damage. Yeah. You know, he'd be like, bam, you go. And on that target, you're getting extra benefits and boons and things like that. And so um, by doing the initiative that way, you know, he wasn't at the end and couldn't do anything you know, to help you that round, you guys yeah. could figure it out together what your plan of attack would be in that right. round. Right. And, yeah. and the, sorry, let me just say one more thing. Yeah, and the sure. way that I like to run it is I would say fast or slow. And if somebody was hesitating, like if they didn't know what they wanted to do right then, yep. I'd be like, all right, you're slow. Moving yep. on. You know what I mean? Because like if you couldn't figure out what you wanted to do, then like you're not taking a fast turn. Yeah, that's the know? point of fast turn is you know exactly what your reaction is going to be. You're doing it. And yeah. I, and I love that about it because it added the it added the sense of real time to the combat rounds, um, and so the combat rounds would go really fast. Yeah. And the other thing is, like you said, because the monsters always went after the players in that turns in that uh, part of initiative. You could plan these combos, but you also had to pay attention because right. the monsters always go the uh, monsters always go afterwards. Right. So if you guys plan up some crazy combo and you set something up and you get through the end of the slow turn, if there are monsters left, uh, <laughs> they're going to go and they're yeah. going to probably totally screw your plans up. Well, because now when, they yeah. get yeah, they get a movement and an action. So they're going to be able to adjust where they are on the battlefield and all that stuff. And especially if they did something more like, you know, you had somebody who was hurting and they made them yep. bleed. Yep. And you couldn't take an action to staunch the wound before the end of the round, you might yeah. bleed out and die. Yeah, that was a common a common scenario. So for example, in this game, if you if you have taken damage up, you know if you are incapacitated, if you've taken damage so that you are, you know, uh, at your full and you take any more hits, it's insta death. Insta death. Insta death. So yep. and so think about it. If you get this scenario where like somebody goes down and it's at the end of the slow turn, and there are monsters left, and those monsters are standing around that person that went down. None of you can do anything because all your turns are expired, and those monsters are just gonna coup de gras that guy right on the ground. And so that happened. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Many times. And, <laughs> and part of the game encouraged you not to pull punches. Like a lot of times, in you know, like DMs will be like, "All right, well, you're knocked out, so this monster is gonna go searching for another live victim." Uh, no. Like, if you're knocked out and there's, like, a demon standing over you, he's, yeah, he's going to gnaw on your bones and suck the marrow He's going to kill you. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, and, it, and this is a thing, you know, as I've played other RPGs with other DMs, especially D&D. Right? I mean, and it kind of doesn't really make sense, but that's okay because it's part of the game. You know, if, if a character gets incapacitated by a monster, most DMs will have that monster then turn and go towards another player. Right. But in reality, if this is a flesh-eating monster, he's just going to kneel down and start eating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's what happens in this game. Yeah. So let's let's also talk about that. I mean, we talked about insta-death, right? Well, there's another aspect of insta-death, and this happens more often in the beginning than the end. But if you ever take one hit that 
takes your damage all that meet uh, takes your damage up to your health threshold, which incapacitates you. That's mm-hmm. insta death. If you take one hit yeah. that equals your health total, essentially, you're dead you, on the spot. Gone. Yep, you're gone. And that could easily happen in the first round because you only have like nine hit points. You got like or nothing. like ten. And you get like a longbowman that's doing rolling like two d two d six damage or something like that, you know that could kill mm-hmm. you. Yeah, it can absolutely. And in fact, if you listen to if you go to uh, schwalbentertainment.com, he has actual play podcasts. Um, and if you listen to them, he kills he kills first roll of the table of the game. I think he killed insta kills <laughs> the character, killed the dude. He was like, oh well, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but so yeah, so so death and. and if you don't get insta killed though, when when you die, basically you become a you become incapacitated first, which means that you're laying on the ground holding your bloody wounds. You you can't move. Like you're not necessarily unconscious. In fact, you're not. You're just incapacitated, right? You've got a roll that's called a fate roll, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, you roll a d6. On a one, you get better, and you come back with one health, right? On a six, you die. Um, and well, actually you technically you go to unconscious and you make another fate roll. If you roll a six again, you die. We played it where you started with some alternate death rolls where you started unconscious. Yeah. Um, and so if you roll the six, you would die. If you yeah. roll the one, you would become incapacitated and you had yeah. to keep rolling your fate rolls. They're kind and of hardcore you, rolls. Yeah. If you rolled, um, anything but, uh, like a, between a two and a five, three times, then basically you just remained unconscious. Yep. Um, but again, if you're bleeding out, like you're dead. So, um, we had, uh, yeah, we had a couple close calls with a lot of people. But listen, the death rules are no joke. I mean, they're much harder than the D and D death rules. And some people even think those are a little extreme, but you know, they're really not. And the other thing is, is that it um, dying is not really that huge of a deal. This game is meant to be played fast. Um, it's also meant to be played. Uh, with multiple characters so yeah. if if you if you get up to level three and you die you just re-roll another character of your choice at the same level level right. three so the, really yeah the leveling happens as a group not as an yes individual. it's a, exactly it's not your character's level three it's the party the whole group is level three because uh, the group levels up and the game was actually meant every session for the group to level up we changed that a little bit because we kind of wanted to make it a little bit longer campaign but if you read the book and you kind of play the book as robert swalb designed it um every time you have a session your group levels up and there are only 10 levels in the game and then when you get to level 10 you finish it you do something epic in your story and and you finish it you can decide what you want to do from that point forward but uh anyways i love the game um i had a couple characters die we had some other friends that died um that had several characters die. Uh, I think everybody except for one player at the table um, had re-rolled a few characters yeah. before we were done with our campaign. And we still had a great time. We had a great time. So, Jason, let me ask you, what are the things that we like about Shadow of the Demon Lord? Uh, the initiative mechanics are amazing. Yep. That yep. everything you do matters. There is a constant risk of death or something catastrophic with every encounter that you take. For me, that's it, and the and of course the dark setting. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's great. So I also love the grimdark setting. Um, from a DM's perspective, this mm-hmm. was super cheap to get into and maintain. I mean, I oh, think I yes. bought the hardbound print book for like, was it thirty five bucks? I think it was thirty five bucks on Amazon. You know what PDFs, I mean? I think like I th- probably ten or something. Yeah, and then I also saw he ran was running a Halloween special later, like a month later, and for like fifteen bucks, I got the PDF and a bunch of other adventures. Yeah, and the adventures you know, are only like two bucks a pop on Drive Through RPG. Listen, it's so easy to do one shots with this game, and so if you love playing your D and D campaign and your group, you know, doesn't really like doing you know anything else other than D and D, but you want to spice it up a little bit, um, do a Shadow of the Demon Lord for Halloween. Get the mm-hmm. get the rule book That's for great. cheap online as a PDF. I think you can get it for like as as much as I, I think the most I've seen it is like fifteen bucks maybe. $19, maybe, you know what I mean? So it's cheap to get the rule book uh, on PDF. And then you can get, like, a couple of adventures for, like, a dollar forty-nine or $2 or something like that and run a Halloween one. Run a, you know, run just run. Like, if you want to take a break, if you know, like, maybe not everybody in the group is going to be there on a given Saturday that you're running your RPG, do a Shadow of the Demon Lord with, like, four guys. It'll be tons of fun. Tons of fun. And it's so easy to do one-shots. Um, character creation is so easy, so mm-hmm. easy. Yep. Um, we had a couple of episodes where we actually rolled characters on the show, and we were goofing around big time. Oh yeah. And we still rolled them up in twenty minutes. Yep, a lot of fun. And it it walks you through it so easy. Like um, when I was doing the rogue trader prep, I'd have everybody send me their sheets and go over them with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> Yeah, to make back, sure that, that everybody back to was a complicated RPG. Yeah, exactly. So it was like <laughs> making sure that everybody was doing it right. But you know, with with um, Shadow of the Demon Lord, it was almost impossible not to get it right because it yeah. was just so, so easy. easy to like mm-hmm. say, "Oh, I have this, and I have this, and I have this." He laid it out. Rob Schwab laid it out. Super easy to do. And it's great for if you have players that uh, are maybe not super comfortable with the, the creativity of creating the backdrop and everything. It's fine. He's got ta- he's got background tables and characteristic too. tables and everything built in. They're Just, they're hilarious. Yeah. Like one like one, one of them was like you roll on a on a uh, your um your looks and if you're a human and you got like you know you roll three d six and if you get a three. So you rolled one once. It's like you're hideous. Yeah. Like babies cry around you when yeah. they see you. Children run away from you. That was you my know, favorite. like yeah. babies so cry good. when they see you. <laughs> it's so great, so great. Um, all right, but what don't what don't we like about Shadow of the Demon Lord? Oh, that's a hard. Uh, that one is a much shorter list. Um, I think that it is a it is very much an adult themed thing so we we're you know our group was a lot of family guys and, and stuff like that so we we were dark and we like playing dark but some of the supplements um they are no holds back like you know possibly like near the x rating kind of stuff yeah. so you kind of have to pay attention to what you're buying because a lot of the community and i'm not saying you know that there there are groups and times and places for all of this uh just I would not buy these supplements and just give it to my son to read. I would oh, definitely no. screen no, no. anything that I that comes off of Shadow of the Demon Lord. There was one that we incorporated in. I liked the story of it so much, but it was about a sex cult. Oh yeah. That was trying to <laughs> summon um, a demon through their, you know, adventures Orgies. in ecstasy. Yeah. Yes. And that one got uh, really dirty really fast there at the end. Yeah, and um, and I even toned it down. 
Yeah, I realized that because afterwards I went and looked at the supplement, and right on the front page of the supplement is uh, some nice graphic arts <laughs> artwork. Yes, so I was like, yes, oh, indeed. okay. <laughs> yeah, and so I think I I do think that I mean the the supplements and kind of the setting tend to, and if you know Rob Schwab, like he's a no holds barred kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like he's a super nice guy, but I mean he's also a self proclaimed Satanist. So yeah, his filters are a little different than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's that. And, and so, you know, that, that kind of comes into, you know, play a little bit with some of this stuff. And I think some of the community sometimes feeds off of it and some guys take it a little too far. And Rob's come out and said, Hey guys, we can't take it too, too far. Like it's fun to joke about it and stuff like that. But you know, um, I, I do think that there's an aspect of the community that maybe enjoys it a little too yeah, much that you have to be and, careful of. And he knows his audience, too. I was talking with him once, and he was talking about how they, he had, you know, he had a kid at the table once. And he so he was like, I had to, you know, I toned it down. I had to tone it down for the kid to make yeah. it appropriate. So he knows his audience. I think he's actually, I don't know if he's done it or not, but he's been talking about taking the mechanics of Shadow of the Demon Lord and put him into a more family-friendly setting. He's working so on it right now. It's called The Mad Wizard. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, so he's been working on it, and I think it, I think he's realized that um, this is a niche game. Shadow of the Demon Lord is a niche game. I love it to pieces. I'd love it to have more like widespread circulation, mm-hmm. but it's a niche game, and I think yeah. part of it's the setting. I think part of it is the community. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not going to take off like D and D. It's not. Um, it's anti-hero stuff. You know. Yeah. So, um, I will Sometimes say this too. we need too. a little anti-hero. Yeah, though. exactly. Everybody needs a little anti-hero in their life. Yeah. Um, I will say this, that um, if you're looking for, like, campaign books, like, if you're looking to run, like, a year-long campaign, this isn't, this, no. this just doesn't really have it. It does have a 10-session campaign book that you can run, and you're leveling guys up every session type of thing. But, honestly, that's, like, almost an introductory adventure book, in my opinion. Like, the, the, the... The adventures in that book aren't quite as fleshed out as some of the other supplements. Like, A Year Without Rain was such a good supplement. The The zombie one that we played was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Until Dawn, right? Yeah. Um, and, there's a lot of uh, good ones. We could go on and on. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. And um, I think that uh, if you're looking for campaigns, like, this isn't it. What I did with my campaign that lasted a year and, you know, a half or whatever is I would usually do two home brews and then throw in a, you know, somehow work in a supplement that was out there, like a one-shot yeah. supplement, mm-hmm. and sort of tie that in and then kind of do two home brews and then, you know, tie it in. And that way we got a good flavor, and, and it wasn't always, you know, my adventure, quote-unquote, that we were running. So, um yeah, and to be honest with you, I think that, you know, one last thing with this is I think that Shadow of the Demon Lord, in terms of, like, big supplements coming out, like uh, they had a cult philosophy come out last year. Was it last year or the year before? Year before. Uh, it was last year. Oh, it, was last, it came out last year. Kickstarter was the year before. Yeah, right. Um, but supplement came out last year. I have a feeling that that might be the last big one for it. Yeah, he's moved on to some other projects that he's working on. Yeah, so I think that we'll still see, like, little adventures come out or little, like, you know, lore supplements that you can get for a buck or whatever. Um, But I think that if you're looking for, like, really long-term support for the game and and big things coming out, um, I don't don't think there's going to be too much in the future. So Still cheap to get in and fun to play totally fun to play and if you haven't played it i highly recommend it 
Um, we had a blast with it, and yep. it's just a great game. It was great. Yep. Great game. So, all right, guys, uh, I think that's the time for us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jason, thank you for joining me. Yeah, man. And uh, everybody, have fun gaming and geeking out this week. Yep. Take care. Bye.